Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Quantum Nurse, and I am Grace Sagra, your holistic registered nurse. I am most happy to welcome you today. Um, my guest is no other than a friend and a colleague, and he's all the way on the opposite side of the world. Although I am from the Philippines, I am right here in Princeton, New Jersey, and he he may not be from there, but he lives closer to my country, the Philippines. And her, his name is Zahi Georges. And he's right now, he's in a part in Australia. Oh, yeah, and, but, but anyway, if I get it wrong, he'll, he'll tell us and he'll correct me, okay? And I'll yes. just introduce a little bit about him. And but thank you and welcome, Z. <laughs> Thanks so much, Grace. It's a real uh, pleasure and honor to be on your show. So Z, Zahi, and most people know him as Z as well, has 20 yes. years experience in business operations, management, sales and marketing, sales coaching and mentoring. So this is like a perfect um, skills nowadays, the sales coaching and mentoring, okay? So listen carefully for what he can do. So he, is, he was born in Iraq and migrated to Australia when he was seven years old. He's, he speaks the ancient Aramaic language that was spoken by Jesus Christ. His uncle was the Catholic Archbishop of the Christians in the Northern Iraq before he lost his entire diocese after the 2014 ISIS attack. He's now based in Sydney and he is the host of MCC podcast that stands for Modern Christian Collective. Thank you, Z, and welcome again. Thanks so much, Grace. It's a pleasure. What I, what I wanted to know is how did you learn and tell me, am I saying it correctly, Aramaic language? Yes. language how did you learn that and what's the what what lesson is there anything that's different if one does not speak or learn that language when it comes to reading the bible yeah well how, how i learned it firstly is that's actually the language of our people of our culture so if you look up the um christians in iraq uh, and even parts of northern iran as well they speak um, Aramaic. So that's a language that we spoke for thousands of years, uh, well before, because Arabic is actually an Islamic language. So that was introduced to the region only around 15, 1600 years ago, which is commonly, and I can speak Arabic somewhat and also understand it, uh, you know, quite well, but our, our actual um, original language is Aramaic. So that's, that's what we all speak. Yeah. I see that this it. It's, it sounds very uh, close to each other, Arabic, 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 mm. and then Aramaic. Okay. Yeah. So now my second question is when, when, when people, uh, that, you know, when you know that Aramaic language, will there be a difference if someone interprets or with whatever is the perceptions on certain chapter, let's say in the Bible, in Bible. will there yeah. be a difference? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, look, even if you look at Arabic itself and Aramaic, there are words and sentences that you, you know, I've watched, for example, movies, you know, when they have the translator. Yeah. And yeah. 
and I'm watching what the words are saying and I'm thinking that's not what they said <laughs> you know the it's not precisely because there are some words and phrases that are just not uh you there's, there's not really a word or a or a phrase that, that I mean they 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 translate it to to be somewhat similar but it's not uh exactly exactly that okay. uh, even, even when I've read uh you know um because we grew up around you know being in Iraq there was a lot of uh, Muslims and Islam and when I've heard them when I've watched what they've interpreted from even the Quran itself it's not really uh accurate okay yeah and I and I asked that question because it seems like there are many things happening in that happen in the world in different cultures that may seem to originate from one culture and then because of like their separate interpretations of different words and before yeah. you know it that that little little maybe it may have started from a little misunderstanding becomes like a a, a, a like a strong misunderstanding before you know it, they're all kind of divided right because yeah. yeah isn't that because even in christianity right you you know like for the archbishop and you said you so it, obviously that's something very close to your heart okay mm. and yet out of that, then all many different um, Christian sects or different groups of Christian faith came into existence. Yeah. Like for me, I grew up, I was raised in a Protestant tradition, in, okay. you know, although yeah. most I'm around Catholics, Filipino Catholics. Yes. So tell, tell me more about, so, so, I'll tell you mine later because I'm so I'm in the minority in the Philippines. But you tell yeah. me about your Christian life and your family and, you know, everything in Iraq. Because a lot of us, of course, will just know mostly about what's happening to the Muslim world, mm. but not a lot about the Christian world. Yeah, in I mean, our culture has been, uh, you know, persecuted and uh They've attempted to destroy it many, many times because, the, and I can go on for maybe an hour or two about why that is, but I'll try to keep it brief, you know. Um, but like I said, originally we were a Christian country, you know, uh, like, you know, we speak Aramaic and around 15, 1600 years ago, that's when Islam became a religion, you know, so they invaded Iraq. Uh, I think they massacred around a million Christians back then and they forced majority of Muslims that are in Iraq today, if you look at their family tree and ancestors, their actual ancestors were Christians, but that they were forced to convert by means of, you know, barbaric means. And that, that has unfortunately repeated itself over time. Uh, and the latest attack that we had, which was in 2014, that's when my uncle was in Iraq and he had 14 churches that he looked after the, in the northern Iraq. And uh, that's when ISIS moved in. And uh, they did pretty much history repeated itself because they, they did what they did 15, 1600 years ago. So they gave all the Christians in Iraq the option of converting to Islam, um, dying by the sword, or you know, just leaving your homes just with your clothes. And they marked all the Christian homes with an N in Arabic for Nazarene. So it was a, it was a full-blown genocide uh, that occurred there. And now even... Before, prior to 2014, we, have, we had over 2 million Christians in Iraq. Now we have uh, just around 200,000. 
So they've slowly, slowly tried to, you know, decimate the culture. We were very lucky. My father uh, received a scholarship to come to Australia to do his PhD and his, his PhD is in biochemistry. So he became a doctor in that. So he studied human diseases, vaccines, you know, for his entire life. So, uh, you know, he's really, uh, he's just a fountain of knowledge when it comes to that side of uh, things as well. But yeah, we, I came here, I was seven years old, grew up in Australia. The church itself, it's, and I've spoken on other um, podcasts, for example, with Roy, the difference with the church in Iraq compared to the churches in the Western world is, yeah, you, you can really feel it just spiritually in a sense, but also structurally as well. Like the churches in Iraq, I remember as a kid, I had such great memories of the church in Iraq because it was like the center of the town. All the activities was there, all the love, the fun, the, the, everything that was, it was basically like the mother of the, of the town. And then when we came to Australia, it was such a contrast because the church was, uh, there was not, not, not really anything going on in the Catholic church. It was just somewhere you went on Sunday, prayed, heard mass, and that was it. Um, there was, and we were, I think, a little bit shocked when we first, it was like a culture shock because we expected, we knew what the church was over there. It was, there was activities every day. And, you know, everyone was involved somehow. And the, it was such a strong community. And then you come to Australia and you come to a church and it's very quiet. You know, it's, yes. it, was, it, was, it was a real culture shock for us. And also the different segregations, like you mentioned, we didn't really have that in Iraq. Everyone, you know, was, uh, I mean, we had Chaldean and Assyrian, which is two different brands of the church, but there wasn't Anglican, Catholic, Protestant, you know, all these uh, things. So that was also a bit of a culture shock to see all the different denominations uh, of church. And I actually asked my uncle, why, how did that happen? You know, how did we go from Christians to just, you know, all these different uh, denominations? And he said, well, he's, I can't answer it word for word because he answered it quite eloquently, but he basically said, you know, that's just people. You know, people have free will. God gave everyone free will, so they they created their own cultures and their own interpretations and own groups. And that's just what happens. Okay. Now yeah. in the Philippines, I think part of the explanation that I, underst I understand in the Philippines is because for all those, uh, we have over 500 years where the Spanish, we were under the Spanish colony. Yes. So it's very obvious that it will be the Catholic, right? And yes. then, that, so then comes the ja Americans, the Japanese. So yeah. I don't remember on the, I, I don't remember about how it, uh, you know, in my memory growing up about that part of my country that is there's a lot of Muslim faith because that really happened before the Spaniards. Yes. You know, so it, so in short, I think even before now that we're experiencing what's happening now globally, even before the superpowers have already kind of decided to divide the world. Yeah. So when they divided the world and that's what they bring also their own culture that they would want because there's such a strong, when culture is the one that is like subtle, you know, 
into um, manipulation if that that's that, that how do you what's the english word it, it really gets embedded it, when yeah. it gets embedded it's so hard to sometimes un, undo things so that's yeah. that's what happened like in the philippines and of course the with the with the with the americans then there were missionaries okay yeah. how they divided that missionaries and i'm sure it has again has something to do with political situation but of course in the philippines itself then yes that's human nature you suddenly come up with your own faith and that's also yeah. happening here in united states but but how however your experience of the church as the center was i felt that as well because we were minority and that was that was okay there was no uh, obvious um obvious like uh, persecution for your minority maybe they may have some discrimination but it don't no, no yeah. one gets imprisoned so yes the town i still remember when the bell rings the catholic church bell rings at six o'clock in the morning at six o'clock in the evening then the whole town gets silent and even if you don't have the same faith it just yeah. invites you to be quiet and see I, I went to high school in, a, uh, in, in my elementary, I went to public school. In my high school, I went to a Protestant school, like mm -hmm. a, it's, it's like a um, um, uh, boarding house, but I didn't, I oh. live in town, so I didn't, but a lot of people who are Protestants from different regions will go there. But in college, I went to a Catholic school also okay. <laughs> and in the catholic school it's mandatory to learn to to attend all religion classes so really? okay. i am indoctrinated from the protestant side to the catholic side i know all the prayers all the bible chapters memorization of that yeah. then i came to united states suddenly wow there i meet jews i meet Rastafarians, then Muslims, but I now that I'm here in the East Coast, I even mo met more Muslim Filipinos, you know, oh, which I never met before. So it just yeah. like oh, so it, so it's it's just interesting when it comes to faith and culture and how then then yeah. Of as you're saying that you know when you're you're in your country you experience this then you come to another country so i got also my culture shock when i came here i was looking for a church even the churches i found they're so boring <laughs> they're like yeah. i said it's like it's dead <laughs> yeah. okay so it took me a while then i was looking for then i found it with um people of color the Protestant church, me and my yeah. were mostly um, African-Americans or people from other countries who are of dark pigmentation, that that I resonated to them because they were yeah. so alive. They were so much no, more I mean, of a Filipino thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I can relate to that because uh, I, I had the same kind of experience when I went from Catholic churches to even though I visited some Pentecostal churches and went, wow, you know, that this this almost feels like the church that I knew uh, back home. Yeah, so it's definitely. But to your point, I mean, 
that's one of the beautiful things about living in countries, I suppose, like US and even Australia, is that we have all these different cultures. And that's why my family migrated here, because one, because of persecution in our own country, but two, to have a better life and to, to coexist with other cultures and religions in harmony. You know, that, that's the whole point of, and Australia is known as a lucky country because, you know, we don't have uh, wars, we don't have um, really any many conflicts. There's so much diversity here. And generally, uh, people get along and respect each other, which is, you know, which is great. Yeah, I have some family members living in Australia, so. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I haven't visited there, but I, I, I one day. Now, no, you could. So tell me, what is your experience and what do you know when it comes to the Aborigines in Australia? Well, that's, that's the thing. I, I have a few friends that are Aborigines and uh, growing up in primary school and high school here, uh, you know, we had a lot of Aborigines in our, in our schools. And I can relate to them somewhat because a lot of them are, because we, for example, what I spoke about our, our culture, we're the indigenous people of Iraq. You know, we, we've been tormented and uh, persecuted for thousands of years now. And the Aborigines have in some ways similar experiences. So I can definitely connect with them on that level, uh, especially when I've talked talk to my Aboriginal friends about, um, you know, the way even they are treated to, to this day um, it's similar to the American Indians, I think, uh, what happened, you know, there in the US. So um, recently, one of the prime ministers finally, uh, his name was Kevin Rudd, he finally offered an apology, you know, to say sorry for all the, all the um, genocides and all everything that happened to. And there's, there's a part of the Aboriginal culture that was called the stolen generation, you know, so the, the kids were taken away from their parents and brought up in a white culture. Um, so that's what the, the former prime minister said, sorry for, you know, for that stolen generation. And, and they're still victims of that here today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know some good Aboriginal friends of mine that speak strongly for their, for their indigenous ways and culture. And, and I support them uh, greatly because they have the right to, to do that. Um, but where I live, for example, to give you an idea, I live in a regional part of Australia, right next to the beach, the beach is two minutes from us. It's absolute paradise here and uh, the good thing is the council here the local government they don't do anything in terms of structurally unless they speak to uh, the actual elders aboriginal elders of the land so there is a lot of good things happening there in, ter in terms of progress uh, with the aboriginal culture because essentially it is their land <clears throat> it's good to hear because we cannot go back to the past but then we could do something currently so that the future will be different and yeah just to acknowledge that it happened is a big thing already and to Absolutely. see what we can do because the yeah. trauma is always uh, it can go deep to generations and generations that trauma is passed on you know, more than ever now, even Western medicine accept that, that sometimes emotional problems of individuals now, you know, that seem to be not being able to treat, treat it, it's because it's been just way, way, way back and just passed on. So, um, right. and I ask that because um, part of the story of my family is that my father came, come from the, one of the Aborigines in Australia and that's oh, the story of 
and then they he, he, by boat and so he came but i never really met him because uh because my my grandmother um my father never met his father who oh. is from the aborigine so but wow. that's the story of my my grandmother to my father so when so one time when i was trying to look for you know intuitively i went to visit um uh, uh i went to visit at the one part of of uh indonesia and then just i'm trying to visit the one that's closest to the philippines which is mm -hmm. the one in that in but i i am in the middle part of the philippines so the the one closest to the philippines is the in, in mindanao and that's why a lot of cultures in mindanao is very similar to the one in indonesia so yes. then when 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 i was in one of the event there just trying it was a funeral event not not my family we were just passing through and they invited us to stay me and my sister Again, we wanted to stay because I'm trying to always intuitively see what my connections are. And then one of the ladies there, and she was sitting all the way on the opposite table. And she did, then she came to me and she said, are you, she did ask if I have some blood from the Aborigines in Australia. Wow. I said, well, I, that's what I was told, but I have, I don't know. Then she gave me the name of that. I said, Try to look for this. Um, I it's like a small island, and but then I when I try to Google it, I can't find it. Okay, What's so I'm I'm sorry. You remember I, the name? I, later, maybe I'll remember because I yeah. I think I stopped I stopped thinking about it. So that so I rested that idea just in my heart. Then I I, ca I came back to United States and then one of my clients, she went into the museum in New York and it was the, they were featuring the Australia, the Aborigines, et cetera, et cetera. And then she opened one book and then she opened the book and she said, in that book, Grace, there's a lot of that features that looks like you. It's with a straight hair. She said, with a straight hair. So, and I told her already before that I was trying to make some connection. So, it, wow. so it's just nice. And for me, it's nice to know or your, your, you know, where you came from or your ancestors came from. And yeah. because of that, as, as you just mentioned, because of that, when we see other cultures, then we really become more respectful. And I always say that to, to family, my family members that it's good to go outside your country. It's good to go outside your culture and appreciate mm. it. And I yeah. always tell them, as long as they serve you vegetables, eat it. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So. And, and this is again, then when we can keep connecting, then maybe we'll really be, if we are still respect our humanity, then we can connect, you know, we'll respect each other. Yeah. And so thank you for sharing that story. But the other thing that I want you to share is, you know, the love of the book, um, and then you can connect it to your, to your career development in management and sales, the book, Rich Dad and Poor Dad. Oh yeah. What why is it? What is it that you like most in that book? I think because earlier, so I read that book when I was a little bit younger. I didn't have many gray hairs. It was uh, 
it was, I think I picked it up when I was 20 years old, maybe 21. And I was at university at the time, I was studying engineering. And, you know, as I mentioned, my father's a doctor in biochemistry. All my relatives are professionals, engineers, doctors, um, teachers. Uh, so very highly educated family. And, and um, you know, I think I was academically gifted in a sense, which I was blessed with. So I could not study and still pass the exams in high school in, in mathematics and university. I was still getting through without studying too much because I hated studying. Um, but I always had a keen interest in business and working with people and, and influencing people. And when I read Rich Dad, and for a long time, I was told because of my family who are all educated, you know, don't just study, you know, just to get your degree and get a good job. That's what I was being told. And that's, that's, that's what majority, I think 90, 95% of people are sold on. Go to school, get good grades, go to university, get a job and work for the next 40 or 50 years and then retire. And when I was 18, 19, 20, I, I think I was searching for something a lot more than that because I thought, well, what's the point of life? This is just me talking. I don't judge people who are doing this because if you're happy doing that, God bless you. But for me, the idea of going to school, studying and then just working in a career for 40, 50 years depressed me. I, I, I thought there's got to be more to life than that. It, it can't be just that. Otherwise, what's the point of being here if I'm just going to coexist and exist with everyone else? I, I want to actually do something with my life. So when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was like this weight came off my shoulders because I thought, okay, so I'm not crazy, number one. You know, so for wanting something more out of this, I, I'm not, you know, crazy. And uh, Robert Kiyosaki talked about having his poor dad, which was his educated father in, in Hawaii, who basically, you know, died on a pension. And also his best friend's dad, I think Mike was his name, who was who died a billionaire. And he only had, I think, primary school education. And so he talks about the, the interest, the um, getting different perspectives from his father's advice for from his rich dad, his best mate's uh, advice. And for me, I wanted what the rich dad was talking about. And it wasn't necessarily money that attracted me, uh, all the wealth and, and all the material possessions, but it was what you could do with money. You know, like we talked about, for example, my culture, Iraq, all the, all the bad things that have happened to our people there. Well, the, the difference when you have a lot of money is that you can, you can influence a lot more than just your own circle. You can do things outside of your own space. You know, you can donate money, you can uh, build schools, you can do all these sort of things. And fortunately, I've been able to donate money to, to certain things that I'm passionate about because I, I've uh, earned money in, in sales and those different industries that I couldn't have earned in if I stayed in uh, the education uh, path. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that I got out of Rich Dad, Poor Dad was it was kind of like a, a weight came off my shoulders when I read it because I realized, okay, I can, I can pursue business and, and that line of work, um, because I want to do something a lot more with my life. I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it makes so much sense. And I smiled when you said um, what you can do with money, because <laughs> I, I have that uh, comment many years ago when someone told some 
another person also that, you know, your mom, I thought your mom loves money, but what she really is, is she likes what she can do with that money, <laughs> you know, and then in terms of creating a nonprofit organization and just being able to, yes, I said, that's right. That's really, and then sometimes my friends will say, uh, I'm going up the ladder. I said, no, then I said, what, 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 but eventually what they see is that I have access to money. So I said, no, I have access to money because if I have friends who could show me, who could teach me because they're well off already, because, because in my early childhood, those are the things also that um, I didn't have that aha moment early on. And I was, I already thought that, okay, when you are wealthy, then you're taking advantage of another person because you're wealthy, okay? So that's kind of like, so you feel bad. You feel bad that if you, you in my imagination, you don't think, you don't aim for big things. Right. All right. Yeah. Eventually I said, but if I do have that, then I can do more. Hmm. This, was, this was such a paradigm struggle for me for many years, well into my 20s and even in my 30s, because of growing up with that, especially even in the church, you know, there's a lot of misinterpretations about wealth. You know, they say blessed are the people who are poor because they have a place in heaven and all these things that were, I think, drummed into your head as you're growing up. So for a long time, even after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I, I, still, I still struggled that paradigm. And it, it took me a long time to make that paradigm shift because I always felt deep down that, you know, money was going to do something bad to me. And then I eventually learned that all money is, is a magnifier. So all it does is magnify who you are. So if you're, a, if you're already a bad person and you get a lot of money, then you'll be a terrible person. But if you're a good person with good intentions and you get a lot of money, it just means that you can do more good. That's all. And my God, if someone told me that when I was 20 years old, I would have, it would have saved me a lot of time and a lot of, uh, a lot of stress. I, you and me together, and, yeah. and and that's another thing. When when I also observe my friends here, who they they're really um, wealthy, and when I say wealthy, they're really international businesses. Then yeah. then they're very generous in donating. But then yeah. on the other hand, I also I also ask now if you can be very generous in donating, why couldn't you just teach people how to really really be a entrepreneur to that point i said because if not you're just like keeping the secret and now then so then that's when actually he started to again show show me about um investing you know things like that because those are the things that i didn't understand in the philippines right i just i knew i loved like to be a nurse and that's one thing i wasn't thinking about the, I just like to take care of the sick. So I thought I'll be a nurse. But yeah, yeah. about the money, right? So you, you went, so then that's when he showed about, you know, the investing, the relationships and all that. And, but in my mind, I know that I'm interested already in health, but anything and everything can affect health. So I like to learn other things. Yeah. So taking masters in nursing wasn't my interest. 
anymore. I said, I have already, for me, I have that basic nursing education. So lead me to another kind. So, <laughs> so that, yeah. that's, that's, that's where I am right now. And that's where I met you. And now we become podcasters because we want to kind of continue to reach out. But in relation to the career development, what is it you think, what can we advise for people who really want to maximize their potential? Because we hear that a lot, right? You're not maximizing your potential. Yeah. Um, it's, for me, it's really simple to, to, to advance and to have career development. Firstly, uh, you need to know where you want to be. And if, for example, if you're in a company, working in a company right now, it's pretty simple. All you have to do is look around you and see people in different positions higher than you and uh, just have a good think about, okay, do I want to be where he is or she is and just get a good... And once you have an idea of where you want to be, then go talk to that person and understand what they do, what their role is, what their income is and get a good feel for that. Um, and it's like anything that you want to do in life. If you want to know how to do... And this is what Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about. If you want to succeed in a particular... Uh, subject or a skill then go speak to someone who is a master of that skill uh, and that's all I did to advance in my career you know to get to management roles director roles in different companies I just went and talked to people that did it or I just watched what they did and I basically you know uh, mimic that to a degree and then the other part of it as well is self-education you know reading books like Rich Dad Poor Dad reading entrepreneurial books um, there is, you can continually advance your knowledge and understanding of business and how to. And the biggest thing that I would recommend to people is you can study all the different economics books, but study people books, study how to relate to people, study how to get the maximum out of people. There's a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That book completely changed my life because I'm not naturally a people person. I'm naturally introverted and I'm naturally more task oriented hence why I studied engineering but once I read books like how to win friends and influence people I, I developed my listening skills you know I, I remember hearing someone say God gave us two ears and one mouth and you have to use them in proportion when dealing with people so I was like oh okay so I have to listen more than I speak okay that's 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 a great tip and 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 uh, developing these skills and developing skills on body language as well. Body language is such a key when dealing with people because I was in positions where I, uh, in sales, I was doing big deals, you know, $100,000, million deals, whatever. And um, understanding people's body language can help you greatly in those things. So again, the internet today, YouTube, uh, and there's, is, there's an abundance of information out there. But what I will recommend as well is check the source. You know, when, you, when you're listening to a YouTuber, check what their actual qualifications are and where, where it's coming from, because there's also an abundance of misinformation out there. <laughs> so that's why I, I generally like to go to books that I know, and then I look up the authors on YouTube and see and, and listen to their teachings. Oh, you're on mute. <laughs> oh, there we are. okay thank yeah. you perfect i said it's just really interesting and i guess in life people first will always 
dominate our, you know, whether we make it in life or not. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. yeah, yes. And, and, and <laughs> when I end up, I have friends and I end up relationships in the, with engineers and then they'll say, how did you end up with an engineer? And I would, you know, and then you're in the nursing. I said, hey, I guess God puts people together so that you know, yeah. you could learn from each other's strength and learn from each other's weakness. And then, yeah, you, yeah because nurses are, are, are great in that body movements and reading people. That, but mm -hmm. the other one that I'm learning more and more is the sound vibration, the sound, the tone of the person, because that Absolutely. could tell, tell a lot as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, you can talk to people who are very good in phone sales and that's what they do. They just... They just listen for the tonality. Can I also talk on one other thing too, Grace, in terms oh, of please, actual please, please. Uh, leadership and management? Mm -hmm. uh, there's an old saying that it, it goes, um, people don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. So if you are an aspiring manager in any, or an aspiring leader in any, in any form of business or even your own business, um, you will get people to basically follow you and and fall in love with your process and with you when they know that you actually care. They don't want to know how much you actually know. They want to know how much you care. So what I mean by that is why I think I had some, um, a certain level of success as a manager and as a director in different companies is because I, number one, treated people how I, I want to be treated. So I put myself in their shoes when they were in when they just joined the company and I said, okay, well, how would I want to be treated by another leader? And I treated them accordingly. And secondly, I took a genuine interest in them. So I, I would speak to them and say, okay, well, um, you've just joined the company or even if they've been in the company for 10 years, but they've never progressed, but they want to finally progress. I would say, well, first and foremost, why do you want that? And I would dig deep, keep digging until they gave me a reason that I felt like, okay, this is something that, will get us through the tough times, you know, and, and, it, and it usually was something personal to them, whether it was recognition, whether it was to make their husband proud, wife proud. Um, I spoke to, for example, single mums um, and even mothers that were working for, uh, that were stay-at-home mums for 10 years, and this is the first time they've actually had a career. And I loved helping people like that. And I would ask them, why do you want to actually succeed in this business? Why do you want to become a manager? And they would say something, well, I've been doing this for the last 10 years or 15 years. I want to finally do something for myself where I can be proud of what I do outside of my family. And I'd go, okay, that's a great goal, but tell me more. And I'd keep digging until the, I've got a reason that would actually, that would get them through when things became tough because not a road to success is never easy. It's, 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 it's never just, okay, you just do this and you get there. There's always hurdles to, to come across. So you need to have a big enough why to get you through those tough times. And once I got those wise out of people, then I would develop a plan on how to actually get there. Well, this is what you do. And whenever people went the wrong way, I'd say, hey, remember what we talked about? I would remind them of their goals. And all I'm trying to do is help you get to that next level. And then when people generally felt from me that I was doing it out of love, then they performed well. You know, I didn't become a master coach in sales even though I knew sales well and I, and I performed well personally in sales but all I did was I I think to a certain level I mastered how to get the best out of people and that was just from genuinely caring about them and their progress so 
if you're an aspiring manager right now, don't think that you have to be the best speaker, the most flamboyant person, and you have to know all this amazing knowledge. You just have to care for people genuinely and, and help them get to that next level. And your success will be, uh, your success will come from that anyway. And you'll be, you develop a great brand from actually helping people succeed. That's beautifully explained. And then remembering that in caring, I guess um, the, the listening is very crucial, right? That, that we listen intently mm. being there. Okay. In everything you do, whether you're closing a sale, whether you're helping someone go to that next level, uh, and, and whether you're dealing with your own superiors, like managers and directors, using this more than this is the key. So is there, with, with everything that's happening right now, and then um, can I assume also that your, your, your business for helping people in management and sales have been deeply affected with this quarantine time? Is there anything that keeps you awake at night? No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm more inspired now than I ever have been, I think, in life because I, I feel there's a, a massive need for uh, people with strength, people with direction, uh, people with faith. Uh, the reason why I started my podcast is really to preserve my culture because a lot of people complain about life and you know what's happened to them, but not many people do anything about it. So I thought, well, let's, let's actually do something about it. Let's, uh, I've, I, these things have hurt me for many years from the day that I left Iraq and all the things that I've seen there. So let's actually do something about it. And, and, it, and I, and I created the podcast to do, to serve for two purposes is one to help preserve my culture, but two to also inspire people because I've actually had the guests that I've had on my show. A lot of them are successful in their own different industries. You know, I've had a good friend of mine, Phil, for example, Phil DeBella, he's a multimillionaire who's uh, he's got the biggest hospitality coffee business in Australia. Um, and he's developed an amazing brand for him. So he was, one of the guests that I had, and it was really like a, you know, a personal development session with him. Oh. People who listened to that episode loved it. So for me, it's serving the, a great purpose, like I said, preserving my culture, but also bringing people from different industries who are very successful and they're speaking to our audience. And I'm, I think, trying to target the youth more than anything, you know, because uh, like I said, when I was 21, if I had someone give me this advice, it would have been amazing. So that's that's the kind of people that I'm trying to appeal to, um, and uh, and I think in the in this day and age we are more in need of leaders uh, more than anything, and also people that that are actually uh, generally helping each other. Um, and the technology that we have available to us, like us now talking, you're in America, it's uh, early morning here in Australia. Um, to be able to do that is, uh, I mean, it's wonderful. It's something that we should celebrate and be grateful for. And I love it when you wrote in your um, in the form that you sent back to me that and we can help the Philippines. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, my you know I married a Filipino. She's like me. She grew up born in Philippines, but grew up in Australia. Uh, she's a lawyer. She's a very smart lady. You know, so um, you know our goal is to eventually help people in the Philippines and people in Iraq because um, we connect on that level as well. We connect obviously on many levels, but there's obviously uh, parts of Philippines that would really need our help. 
And uh, this goes back to money again. You know, this goes back to when you, you can't do that on a normal nine to five wage. You can't go help a country or a, a community or, you know, culture if you just have your, if you're just earning enough to pay the bills. It doesn't work. You have to, this has to be expenses and this has to be your income in order to be able to do that. So that's why uh, anyone who hasn't actually read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I'd highly, highly recommend, you know, you read that because it will shift a few things here. And one thing that I learned that, and this took me a long time again to shift the paradigm, uh, you can't earn good money, you can't um, be successful in business just by learning the secrets. You need to actually shift here. You have to become, for example, if you want to be a millionaire, you have to become a millionaire mentally first. The habits, the, the way of thinking before you can actually earn it doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way unless uh, you win the lotto by some chance. So between mind and time, that's always a question when, you know, in network. So which, which is your most valuable asset? Mind or time? Uh, definitely mind. <laughs> that was my choice too. Yeah. But of course, I think she, the presenter was preparing something already about time. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Presented I mean, the time. But she could, have, she could have said, uh, yeah, there are some of us think likes that this is the thing, but she just said time is flat out the <laughs> most valuable act. Well, one thing I talked to a lot of my old employees about, like when I was working for a different company, is it all goes down to your own daily habits. You know, so for me in my diary, I always write, you know, go to the gym, uh, read for 30 minutes, listen to audio books. These are just daily things that I cross off every day. And I know when I'm not uh, feeling good mentally, if I start to feel a little bit depressed and things, it's just because I've lost um, touch with my good positive habits. You know, and these are the things that uh, you've got to continually feed your mind. I mean, time is time. Time is going to go every day. We've been talking for what half an hour. Time just passes no matter what. But, you know, uh, yeah, I think the investment's got to be in, in your mind, 100%. Thank you so much. This is beautiful. And so um, how about you say some words or some advice for my viewers who might be overworked or stressed. And I know some of them are still working. Some of them may be retired already, but may oh. be running their business, but they are caring for loved ones who have dementia and Alzheimer's. And, you know, they're stuck at home. They don't want to send them yet to a nursing home. No. What can we say? What can we suggest to them? I think, I mean, for me, I, I, um, I'm so uh, inspired by nurses and anyone that does any work that helps people uh, who are you know, struggling physically or mentally. I, I think I take my hat off to anybody who does that. I think when you do any line of work and service, you have to also always look after yourself you have to feed yourself i think what a lot of people forget and I, I i burnt myself out a few times in my life and i realized what was actually going on is i was giving of myself so much that i was not bringing anything positive in here and for me what i what i learned the hard way especially with your own mental uh health is you really need to feed your mind just like you feed your body if, if you don't feed your body for days, if you don't drink any, any water, you'll eventually, you know, fall down. And your, your brain is the same way. 
So when I, when I felt burnt out or depressed, I went back to my good habits. So I started reading positive books, um, spiritual books, and also uh, mental development books. But I also did one thing, and this is the key for me, and I think it should be for everybody, is I, I uh, gave thanks every day. So I, went, I got into a state of gratitude. And, and in my lowest times, I got my book out and I started writing five things that I was grateful for every day and uh, just made that a habit. And when I started doing that, it's funny how things started to shift a positive way because I started to look at life in a different way rather than looking at all the things that I was upset about. I started giving thanks for all the things I was blessed with. And so gratitude is a key thing, but also feeding your mind with the right things. So it's a mixture of spirituality. So mind, body, and spirit. So doing the right things for your mind. So reading books that will actually develop your, um, you know, mental health and also reading books that will actually help your spiritual life, but also doing the right things for your body. You know, going to the gym, exercising every day. We are, our bodies aren't designed to be sitting down all day and, and uh, eating and watching TV and doing things. We're not designed that way. Um, one thing I'll just touch on, I, I uh, went to many seminars on physical and mental health. And I remember seeing a doctor speak once, this was years ago, and he, he said he spent a long time of his life studying people, the Japanese people that lived in the Okinawa Islands, because they were the longest living uh, race of people in the world. <clears throat> and he said, you couldn't distinguish between a 40-year-old and an 80-year-old, because wow. they, all had the, they all had the same habits. You know, they all worked in the fields all day, so they were exercising. Yeah. They all laughed, you know, because yeah. uh, he, wrote, he wrote a book uh, called... Uh, Laughter, sex, vegetables, and fish. <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> he says those those are the four things that you can't overdose on. <laughs> Is so, he still alive, that doctor? Yeah, Doctor John Tickell. Um, I need to get him. <laughs> yeah, he's a Australian, uh, brilliant. But he talked about the people in Okinawa Islands, and he said one of the key things was exercise. You know, they just moved all day. That's why he couldn't distinguish between a forty and eighty year old. And uh, they laughed a lot. They had a lot of vegetables. They had, you know, their fish and, you know, they were um, happy in their relationships. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, if that makes sense to any, any of your listeners, I would just recommend that you look after your mind, your body and spirit as much as you can feed yourself that because think of yourself as a machine or a car. If you don't put fuel in yourself, if you don't look after yourself, um, you might be able to run an empty for a long time, but eventually that will catch up with you. So, and, and, and do things that make you smile and happy and, and laugh, whether that be with friends or watch your people have, you probably know Grace, but people have cured themselves from uh, chronic disease just by laughing a lot, you know, watching comedies and, and things like that, because it changes our, you know, chemical uh, makeup when we are in a positive state. Yeah. Healing the health and healing still fascinates me because sometimes we think even if you are you have that integrative complementary mindset already it just seems puzzles me when someone doesn't sort of fit in their lifestyle to what all of this and yet they're really happy and they're really healthy and i always say that to my family in the philippines because you know my family they, we, we don't come from a wealthy family and and so there's so many limitations, including food, space, and everything. And then yeah. I was like envious when they were able to come together this Christmas. They were able to get away with 
the quarantine or not really get away, but they they found a way to be approved, you know, when, you know, that's when, when you, you believe in something, you can, you know, God tells you how to find a way. So then yeah. I saw it in the picture. I said, wow, you're all so happy, you know, yeah. in this quarantine time. So it's fascinating. That's why I tell people, also people like, you just don't know, I can give you all this advice, but there's still something that is main, I may not say, and will help you. And yeah. all I know is do not think that this is your, that any diagnosis or any, whether failure in, in business will be the end of everything. It's, no. it, so if you just keep that in mind, then it will be good, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. So then, so what else? Can we expect from you in the next let's check do you want to just do one year <laughs> instead of five years what in the podcast on the podcast no i don't i don't think i'll be stopping anytime soon um where for me the what we've done so far with the podcast step one you know i've got many uh goals and moves uh, to do moving forward um you know we're we're going to launch something this year to help people uh, who have addictions you know with gambling uh, alcohol, uh, drug addiction, um, because there's there's problems with that <clears throat> in every culture, I think. And uh, there's something happening in terms of Iraqi people, for example, coming from war, a war-torn country to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, like I talked about, a culture shock, but there's, there's other things happening. And unfortunately, because of that culture shock and the lack of purpose, uh, some of them are turning into gambling and uh, different forms of addiction. So um, I'm putting together a panel right now of people that I know um, who are experts in that industry and also people who have worked with uh, disadvantaged youth. And we're going to um, have, uh, uh, we're setting up like a helpline for people who who have these issues. So there's many different um, aspects and facets that we're taking the podcast. Okay, perfect. Um, so- and also we're, um, I've teamed up with uh, Hartmut Roy, Chris and a few other people that we, you know, we're, we're building a freedom broadcasters. So that's something that people with, uh, you know, who are really just uh, all about the truth, you know, and <clears throat> because I know, and I can talk about the media corruption and the government corruption for hours on end, because I experienced it, you know, with our culture in terms of how they misrepresented many things. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to work with people from, you know, around the world and you know, speak to people like you as well, Grace all about just getting the truth out mm-hmm. because if if you if you trust the media then you know you'll trust anything so yeah we, um, that's another project we're working on as well so of all, of all of this what what makes you want to wake, wake up really in the morning and it really inspires you i think you know the the gratitude is what gets me up in the morning is is being grateful for the gift of life and to, to be all that I can be. I think the biggest sin of life is to waste your talent, you know, and everyone, every person in this world has a certain gift that God gave you. I think the gift that God gave me was to be able to influence uh, and inspire people and help people get to different levels and uh, successes in their life. And that's, that's all I have to do. Like I, I've got a, um, that's my duty as a human being, I think, to, to do the right thing. And also, obviously, my family is my biggest inspiration. 
you know, to be the, a role model as a father and a husband, you know, is, is something that's probably the most important thing in my life. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, I, I, I usually end with, a, with an affirmation, but before that, um, tell them where they can find you or if there's any more, few more words you want to share. Well, well, firstly, I just want to say uh, congratulations to you, Grace, for doing your podcast. You're doing an amazing job. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's my honor to be on, on your show. Um, where people can find me, uh, generally most of our episodes are on YouTube because a lot of our listeners love watching it, you know, the, the live version of it. So um, if you look up NCC podcast, um, you'll find all our episodes on there. And like I said, we have, we have some religious leaders, but predominantly people within our culture who are successful in different industries uh, speaking there. So yeah, it's just MCC, M for Mary, C for Charlie, MCC podcast. Oh, so anyway, just to remind the viewers and the, our audience, um, I'm going to make sure I put all Z's uh, information together with this recording and in, whether it's an audio in the Quantum Nurse YouTube or in the BitChute, then in multi other multiple platforms, I'll make it there, okay? And thank you for um, watching and here's the affirmation. So usually other than the prayer for me, uh, Z, affirmations also help me a lot you know, other prayer. And what I do is I have, I, I have a set of cards of affirmations and I shuffle that every day. And then I get one and with intention and said, what can I share with Z and our viewers? And this is what I got. And many times it's so, it amazes me that the theme always matches with this card, even if I wasn't thinking about it. It says a happy life. And I say this three times in the morning, noon, evening, and bedtime. So it says, I choose to live in health, peace, and happiness every hour of my life. My words and actions inspire those around me. Together, we all feel joy and have positive outlook. I choose to live in health, peace, and happiness every hour of my life. My words and actions inspire those around me. Together, we all feel joy and have a positive outlook. I choose to live in health, peace, and happiness every hour of my life. My words and actions inspire those around me. Together, we all feel joy and have positive outlook. See? Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And That's I so relevant. Yeah. And I write this down for all of you viewers and I post it in wherever I post it. I'll give you a copy, Z, Thank as you. well. Yes. Fantastic. And, and, and uh, try for our viewers, try and check out, um, I created a website where I can connect with you in another way where I do a little blog there and, and then connect some of my um, interviews or my recordings. I, that's quantumnurse.life. I like that. Someone suggested me the dot life. I said, oh, I like that. Instead of dot com, dot org, <laughs> quantum nurse, dot life. And Fantastic. I call it quantum nurse because I do quantum reflex analysis as part of my assessment tool in health. I'm a full-fledged critical care nurse for 20 years, but then I have brought all of this together. In the Philippines, Z, I, my expertise is community health. So oh. I was very, I, while my classmates were all here, for five years, I stayed in the Philippines working with healers and community and, and just 
just like you said, you're trying to preserve a culture. So I was trying to preserve a practice and entice people. So that, that's what I did in the Philippines. Then I came here for another venture in my life and helping others. And so that's Quantum Nurse, that life. And in less than a year, I became good in digital ways like this podcast. Someone said, how did you become so techy? I said, hey, when you want something, you go through the agony and you learn it. And But the most wonderful thing, just like you said, you collaborate with people instead of making it small, you become big. And now we're all part of Podcasters United, Freedom Podcasters. And so yeah. please support that and let us know what you, how else can we help you? Let us know and answer, can we help you? You said yes, then things help will happen. Thank you. And in my language, I say mabalos. That's one language in the Philippines. Salamat is the Salamat. second one, which maybe your wife might know. And how yeah. about you say it in what, whatever three four languages including aramaic say thank you um we say shukran in arabic <laughs> and uh laha in aramaic which means thanks thanks be to god see it's beautiful see words are beautiful yeah thank you right. thanks so much Grace. Pleasure.